0: I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service today. I'm Swami Parvati and this is Swami Pranava. We're very happy to have you all with us. Welcome to our guests and visitors, those online, people here for the first time. We're very happy to have you all here. I'll start by reading from the promised Rays of the One Light, weekly commentaries on the Bible and Bhagavad Gita based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and written by Swami Kriyananda. This week, the promise of the scriptures. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless of self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 15, we read the famous parable of the prodigal son Jesus tells us of the man who took the wealth bestowed on him by his father and squandered it in foreign lands where he fell into evil ways. At last, repentant, he returned to his father's home. When his father saw him, he was, Jesus tells us, moved with compassion and ran and fell upon his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no longer longer worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Fetch quickly the best robe and put it on him and give him a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and bring out the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and make merry because this my son was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and is found, and they began to make merry. Small-hearted human beings, identified as they are with their little egos, give exaggerated importance to any slight they receive from others. Thus they imagine God, like them, to be petty, unpardoning, and vindictive. In God's eyes, however, when human beings go astray, There is nothing to forgive. All of us are aspects only of His own Self. He who made us resides in us. He is not far away from us, in some far-off heaven. His, His call to us, always, is to return home, to our own home within. The way of return is described in the Bhagavad Gita in the sixth chapter. Supreme Blessedness is that yogis who has completely calmed his mind, controlled his ego-active tendencies, rajas, and purged himself of desire, thereby attaining oneness with Brahma, the infinite spirit. Thus, through holy scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh.
1: To you from Paramahansa Yogananda's book of sacred prayer demands, whispers from eternity. I take this sacred vow:
0: never will I
1: lower my love's gaze below the high brow horizon of my constant thoughts of Thee. Never will I turn my uplifted inner sight away from Thee. Never will I let my mind dwell on anything that reminds me not of Thee. I will disdain the nightmare of ignorant behavior. I will court all dreams of noble achievement, those of love, kindness, and understanding, for they are thy dreams. Though I dream many dreams, wakefully I will ever think of thee. In the sacred fire of constant remembrance, kept ever alight on my soul's altar, I will ever behold thy presence with the watchful eyes of devotional love. Thy grace has shown me that the dualities of health and sickness of life and death, joy and sorrow, are but passing fantasies. I am finished with those eternally self canceling delusions. I am persuaded at last that there is but one abiding reality thy eternal, ever conscious, ever new, ever thrilling infinite bliss. This parable from the Bible is perhaps one of the most touching and comforting ones. In the Bible, because it's showing us that unconditional eternal love from the divine, no matter what we end up doing. I remember this cute little story of this little boy uh, getting up on the counter to get the cookie jar that's been placed well out of his reach on top of a cupboard. But he gets it, and suddenly his mother walks in and says, So, son, what do you think God will think of I don't know. He asked for one of the cookies. (laughs) (laughs) That's really how God is with us. The Divine is wanting to be a part of, even when we kind of move across the boundaries of maybe what others would say would be inappropriate. But that, that openness of that Divine Love is secure always for us. But we've done a heck of a job really going the other direction. You know, the word prodigal refers to being wasteful and extravagant. Those are two meanings of the word prodigal. And the wasteful one is where we, because this is an allegory of course for all of us, the story of the prodigal son, but we, like that younger son of of the farmer, takes the wealth that we have, which is inherent because we have that as our heritage, spiritually, we're talking about. We take that and we waste it. We let ourselves go out there, being attracted to the things that really aren't us. Well, you can see the word extravagant being an interesting meaning of the word prodigal. Uh, And I think most of us see extravagant uh, not necessarily the way that it had meant maybe decades ago. But extravagant means in this sense that we go beyond our means. We go beyond who we really are. And if you think about it in terms of who we are and our senses, and then our center, it's the senses that pull the weight of the day and go beyond our means. Because once we're influenced by the senses and moving into our daily life patterns, we will by necessity move away from our true home in the Divine. Now that doesn't mean we should avoid the senses. It's just that we want to be with the Divine, holding the reins of the senses, as we see in the allegory of the Bhagavad Gita. We don't want to have those senses controlling us, so that we, our sense of joy is more in pleasure, rather than even in happiness, let alone joy. We, in a sense, have a counterfeit experience of what we really are seeking. We know there's something fulfilling. We, our intuitive sense of who we are knows with absoluteness, in one sense, of what that fulfillment will be. It will be joy, it will be bliss. But as we drift, as we become prodigal, as we start wasting that energy, and being pulled by the ego and the senses, then we start to lose that connectedness from our living experience of that truth of joy. We never, ever, ever lose it entirely. That's kind of the safety net that the Divine has given us. Um, but we lose the connection to it in terms of how we're really living our lives. We're living more peripherally rather than internally. Now, if you read Time magazine this past week, the issue had a one page article on I forget what the name of the article actually was, but it had to do with breath. And it documented some of the references to studies about breathing. And there it had this drawing and three parts of a woman sitting in cross legged position doing uh, alternate breathing. And they, they describe it so put your hand in a hang ten position and close your nostril off. <laughs> I like that. Now I'm going to remember. Because I, I like the idea of being out in the surf too. So now I'll remember that this is what we're doing. We're doing a hang ten. Um, but it's interesting because it talks about. There's a quote from Andrew Wilde, who I think is well known to many of us uh, in the health uh, spiritual world. And again, excuse me, I don't know the exact quote, but basically he was saying there's nothing quite like the breath to bring us into that experience of well-being. Interesting, isn't it? Well you can see one of the first things that starts to happen when we move away from our center and we move towards our periphery the breath is no longer under our control. The breath is controlling us. It's restless, it's agitated, it's moving, causing the heart to be agitated and restless. And then our whole being is in that dilemma, swirling around, seemingly trying to go somewhere or have some experience, but never really getting there, always being circumscribed by that need to have the sense pleasures, rather than letting the senses return back to their origin, that in the divine nature of who we are. But this loving, compassionate, eternal, unconditional love from the Divine doesn't always show up in the way that you think you want it. That's the other thing, is that sometimes it's going to be pushing us to come to that greater experience of that. I remember once, a number of years ago when Swami Kriyananda was residing in Assisi, Italy at Ananda Assisi, we were over there part, and myself. And we had a session just with, with him alone. And I'd made some comment on something that had happened in, in my life. And he said he was just kind of real strong in his response, firm in his strength of response. But it was like he just blew me over. Not that he was being mean or uh, angry at all, but just that he was just very strong. And then he blessed me at my heart center. But on the flight home, I was in tears, trying to tune into what was happening there and what is happening for my life. And it was like, I just want to really make sense of this, not from thinking it out a whole lot, um, but trying to just sense what it was, what Swami was trying to convey. that What in my tendency was needing to shift so that this direction could go away from kind of being on the outside and being more on the inside. But it wasn't he said, well, you should do this, which I think we all sort of, you know, really hope will get simple advice, just do this, you know? Uh, change that. Well, he came at her from, uh, because he knew that I was willing to have him press me in this firmness of strength from what he said. Um, But it took me some time to really just try to absorb what it is. And to this day, I refer back to that experience to really like the prodigal son, to come back, to come back, to who I really am, in my true experience. Um, you know, sometimes the Divine will draw us back in, in ways that, again, aren't that obvious. They, they happen through the back door. As Jesus said, uh, like God will come like a thief in the night. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's a beautiful Sanskrit chant that relates to this, Haribol. That's all the words are, Haribol. And Bol means to say, or to sing, or to chant. And Hari, in this case, H A R I, refers to the divine as the stealer of our hearts. Isn't that sweet? The stealer of our hearts, because we've let the hearts go with emotions. And the chant is to bring us back into our devotion. Let the emotions settle down. Let us come into this calmness. Let us come into our center and let that devotion come forth naturally in an expansive way. But one of the times when we were living in Ananda Sisi, over in Italy, I remember I had this sleep, that had this dream that I was flying. And it was very real. It, it was very expansive, very open, very real. And it was just like, you know, Someone riding a bicycle, someone flying. It wasn't really that radically different in my dream. But it felt so uplifting, so open, so expansive as an experience. And I retained that experience even when I awoke. It wasn't that there was this dreamy, vague thing that was floating through me. The experience, the feeling, the sense of that energy was kept alive when I awoke. And, and even now, I remember it more as the feeling than the visual image of what that is. But then I recall, as I was going to bed, before going to bed that night, I read one of P.G. Woodhouse's stories. And I felt it was true that P.G. Woodhouse is a British humorist, that Swami Kriyananda loved to read, and many of us uh, have many recordings of him. and. Uh, a joyful experience uh, of someone lifting awareness with a humor that was always connected to people rather than satirical or cynical and putting people down. But I was thinking this, that it was this reading of the P.G. Woodhouse story that was there, and then I thought, well it wasn't just P.G. Woodhouse. It was because that connection with Swami Kriyananda reading P.G. Woodhouse stories so many times live that I went to these readings, that I, I could feel that, that trail of this joyful lightness coming in. And it's how the Divine is calling us back, how the, the father in the story with the, the son that's gone out to be wasteful, is that if we're open and we're sincere that we offer ourselves, the Divine will just sparkle in our eyes and sparkle in the world around us. It's like it's there, it's waiting. It's it's like, you know, you see some of these trees now, around here, that have just suddenly, in the last week or two, become rich with the fall colors. But has the tree really changed? No, just the expression of the tree has changed. That tree with different colors, green, vibrant orange, or no leaves at all, isn't a different tree. It's that divine expression of that tree, just allowing itself to be in an expansive way in these different expressions. And we like that are more and more alive if we come to that centeredness. So the Bhagavad Gita here says, to come into that calmness of one's own center, to release The rajasic energy, that restless energy is what it means, to release that. It isn't who we are. The restlessness is something that has covered us. But it isn't who we are. And it's more that if we come to our calmness, in our center, those identities, that are really our peripheral identities, no longer have their energy, no longer have their force, of creating those patterns in our lives. We're able to release them. We're able to feel, more powerfully, the heart's love. We're able to feel the presence of the divine. You know, in the first chant we chanted, starting the service, Lord, when in darkness, it's an interesting chant. Lord, when in darkness, Lord, in confusion, always I'll follow. If I grieve or lose my way, only thou canst comfort me. All I live for is to love thee, my eternal friend. That captures a lot. You know, that when we're in darkness, when we're in confusion, and guess what? That happens. That is real to us. Um, You know, you know, I think the event that happened Friday in Paris, I think most of this, I think just reeled, feeling the confusion. How could this happen? You know, how, how could this happen in humanity that such a, an attack would, would take the lives of so many people in such a brutal way? And there is that. In that, in that dramatic way, there's that confusion. But in our own selves, when we act perhaps not in the best way. That intuitive sense of who we are behind that expression is there, but there's confusion that is hounding us, that isn't allowing that clarity to be there. You know. But then it says, If I grieve or lose my way, only thou canst come grief will be something that will come to us because of loss. And if we lose our way, the promise is we have never lost our way. The promise is there eternally. We will never lose our way. We will always be able to pick up, step towards the light, and move into that experience with the body. All I live for is to love my eternal friend. If we can nurture that focus in our lives, why we're here, what's our purpose, what's our goal? All I live for is to love Thee, my eternal friend. Then that will filter in, into everything, into all this creation, from at least our experience. Even those rough points along the way, even the temptations that come with a tremendous surge of power to pull us away, they won't have the same force. They won't have the same magnetism. Because that power of being centered within, loving the divine, having that friendship be eternal, no matter what happens, that will be there. Just to remember that, just to have that remembrance of that, is so much more powerful than we can acknowledge at the moment. But it is that heart. It is transformative. It is revealing to the core of who we are that we're one in the divine. We are not identified as much with the expression of God's play, of God's lead in the world. But we can still play in that drama, in that comedy, in that tragedy. Our roles can still play in that, but we needn't be caught by the turmoil, the conflict, the tensions, the brutalness of what that is. We can bring light, because we are saturated with light, the more that we can be then the instruments of that light, then when the challenging times come, as happened in Paris, we can find that light, we can radiate that, we can bring that touch and that comfort to the world around us. That is grace. And it is our joy if we touch on that experience to help be an instrument of that grace to the world around us. So let's do that. Let's take a moment